You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Tones are our signal to get ready for the Straight Talk segment here on Real Presence Live. Uh, Throughout the Real Presence Radio Network, we're so grateful for all of you who are listening. And now is your turn to bring us uh, questions that you may have about uh, current events in the church, in the world, uh, questions of faith, questions of theology, anything along that line, along those lines. 877-795-0122 is the toll-free number to call. You can also leave questions for us on our Facebook page for Real Presence Radio. And uh, there have been a number of different events going on that we're going to be touching on uh, if time allows, but we would love to spend the lion's share of this time uh, directly responding to your questions. 877-795-0122. You know, here's, let's, uh, I'll throw some things out there for listeners to maybe call it and give whatever. So here's a little thing that you can that would be kind of from the background if people want to call in or just leave messages for us that we could address. But like we're in this 40 day period where traditionally Christmas doesn't end until February 2nd. And now, so a lot of anywhere you go, Catholics, we have our own ideas and traditions, how we do it. Like, you know, the last day of Christmas, we're completely done with it. Or uh, as a listener, are you, do you keep like the Christ child around until February 2nd? Is February 2nd, the Feast of the Presentation, is that a big day for you? Do you have the procession of candles? Do you get your candles blessed? Um, you know, the tr- yeah. whole transition into Lent. But these 40 days where the church really calls us to reflect on that. What is that relationship with the divine and the human nature of Christ? What does it have to do with us? Do you keep a poinsettia around as kind of reminder for these 40 days? Or do you just kind of wash it out and say, well, it's, it's ordinary time, uh, moving on, we left in the dust. But I, I would love to hear different families, traditions, and things that, that listeners, w- what you've done traditionally across the years in these 40 days, traditionally the 40 days of Christmas, really. Mm-hmm. But Yes, uh, if, we were in, if we were in Great Britain, we may call it Kendallness. Exactly. But, uh, and uh, I, I particularly enjoy those years when February 2nd falls on a Sunday because it's like we are bringing a little more attention to it. A lot of people may have a tangential understanding of the feast from the, you know, the fourth mystery of the uh, joyful mystery of the rosary, but to be able to highlight it in a in a more um, prominent liturgical way, that's one thing for sure. Uh, there have been some uh, significant events that have happened uh, in the church recently uh, regarding uh, a fond farewell that we have been bidding to people who have been called home to the Lord. One of them on the very last day of 2022 was um, uh, Joseph Ratzinger, Pope Benedict XVI, who was uh, called from this life, and uh, reportedly his final words were, Jesus, I love you. Um, Very tender uh, reflection as well. And when you think about his decision early in 2013, which is coming up on the 10-year anniversary, to retire, to be the first pope in six centuries to retire from the papacy rather than to uh, die in office, he was probably the last person to anticipate that he was going to be continuing living this um, quiet contemplative life, you know, after that moment. But, uh, you, you know, the, the death of someone like Pope, uh, Pope Benedict, it, it affects the whole world. It isn't a small thing, you know, and, and we had heard that he was declining or whatever. And I got in touch personally with, I realized, and there's like two days before we heard he died as, a, you know, gosh, you know, 
I've never forgiven him for resigning. <laughs> and I realized, you know, if the poor guy is about to die, I better do the work of forgiving him and setting him free. For No, I really did. I had to, I had to personally work through. Um, there, I realized there was some resentment in me that he had, that he had resigned because I, I, I loved him as a holy father. I loved his teaching. I loved his prayer. His, I, I felt so covered by him in a universal way that um, there, there was anger in my heart towards him that he had resigned. And so I, I really did. And I did. I forgave him before he died, you know, kind of a thing. But I realized it was a real thing. It, sure. it wasn't a non, non-issue, non mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, there are, of course, uh, great crowds that came to Rome to pay their respects and to attend uh, the funeral, which uh, happened, I guess it'll be uh, two weeks ago today, I believe, is when it was actually. And one of the things that I guess I continue to keep with me as I reflect on Pope Benedict XVI is that, yes, people talk about how four men he was not just as a theologian but in his mind with regard to philosophy history so many different areas where he could um, you know speak uh, expertly and in an erudite way about them but his demeanor his comportment never seemed to have that sort of arrogance that can be the trap of people who have that ability you know where you come across and say man you know so and so seems full of himself you know but there was this profound humility with the man. Well, I'd like to share an actual real tender story about Pope Benedict. At the time, he was was Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger, but this goes back to 2003. There there was a group of us who went over to Rome to meet with Cardinal Stafford, who that fall was coming to the Diocese of Fargo for a a, a gathering we we had here. And and we were there and going through these meetings with Cardinal Stafford, who himself is a prince of the church and and wonderful, wonderful man. And and we're there, but I, I bumped into somebody I knew who was working for Cardinal Ratzinger. Uh, he's now Archbishop Charles Brown, but he then he was Monsignor Brown. And, and in, uh, I said, is it possible for us to have a meeting with, can, can we meet Cardinal, Cardinal Ratzinger? And he's like, gosh, we're, you know, we're, in these days that you're here, we're so busy finishing. At that point, Pope John Paul II was releasing encyclical on the Eucharist. Mm. And he said, we're, we're so intensely working on this, we're trying to get it done by a certain day, I don't think it's going to be possible. But he took our satellite number, and he said, if there's a possibility, I will call you. And, but it would have to be spur of the moment, you have to get there really quick. Cause it, you know, well, two days later, we're sitting down, we just ordered all this pasta, this pasta and pizza. You know, there's about, I don't know, 10 of us there, whatever. The phone rings. It's been Senior Brown. He says... Hey, if you're over here in the the curial offices in 15 minutes, you'll have a chance to meet him. And we we jumped up, threw money down, didn't eat the food, went, went sprinted across St. Peter's Square. We, we got there, the Swiss guards let us in. And here, Cardinal Rossing was just coming down, his office on these steps. And I had this experience of coming down, and I was just like, it really felt like this prince was coming. I don't know how he had this aura about him. You know, you're just like, oh, you know. And he comes down. Well, one of the some of the members who were with us is their 29th anniversary. And so, well, first of us, uh, three of us men were in cowboy-looking hats. And he goes, oh, you're from Texas. You know, like, oh, no, no, North Dakota. And and he goes, oh, cold, because this is January. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And um, and, and then we say, well, this couple has a uh, their 29th anniversary and he, he teased he teased the man about or you know the wife you know but oh how how have you put up with him for so many years you know he, he was really Aww. like teasing him or whatever whatever and they gave us a very very beautiful blessing and and then the woman said well cardinal would you allow us to sing a song for you and we didn't know this and, and the song she chose it's, it's called maria walks amidst the thorns it's a traditional advent 
hymn, and we, we sang it. As we're singing it, he started crying. And these tears were coming down. We're down. I'm suddenly going, oh my gosh, what just happened? And then he explained to us, he said, that song was a song that his mother sang to him as a child in Bavaria. And he, all these memories were coming back to him by singing that song. And he shared these stories with us standing right there. Well, the driver grabbed, because he was supposed to go, he literally had the encyclical <laughs> that he's going to deliver to the final edition to Pope John Paul II. They had this meeting. His driver, Your eminence. Your yeah, eminence. Yeah, driver's <laughs> grabbing him and dragging him. And you could see he wanted to stay with us. Yeah. And just, you know, mm -hmm. anyway, but it's, it's, I never met him as Pope, but just as yeah, Cardinal there. Yeah. And it, and you just, what a real man. Like what you were just describing, he, he had this absolute humility about, he, he, he oh, what, what a beautiful, humble, beautiful mm -hmm. spiritual father. Right, right. And there were a lot of things uh, stoked by various opponents, whether it be in the mass media or whatever, of these caricatures, which truly ended up being not just incorrect, but absurd. So um, we uh, we trust that we have a faithful uh, intercessor uh, in uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI in heaven. Just again, uh, just very quickly to mention also, uh, the Australian Cardinal George Pell had uh, suddenly passed away from complications regarding a hip uh, associated with a hip replacement surgery he had had uh, heart problems and there was I believe it was in three different volumes that were published of this prison journal that he kept during his over year-long uh, imprisonment after the um, uh, the trial and the bogus conviction uh, of uh, sexual misconduct uh, in in charges in Australia where you know you look at the actual um, yeah, facts of the case, and there was really absolutely no opportunity, you know, even if there had been, you know, motive or means, you know, you talk about those classic, you know, things, and, and to place himself in a situation like that where, you know, what does your faith look like when so many other things in terms of creature comforts and freedoms as a human being are uh, denied to you? Um, I think it's for generations going to be a, a very powerful witness. And, and the, that those prison journals are available through Ignatius Press. And, yes. and you can tell the man, because you go and read those, the other prison, who the, these were tough dudes these are bad dudes who've done horrible things that he's in relationship with in that yeah. solitary confinement that he's relating to and in in those journals you hear how th these men were experiencing conversions mm -hmm. just by relating to him and um and it's and it, it describes in there how these other hardened criminals were hoping and cheering for his release because they're all like, what are you doing in here? You don't belong in here. Yeah. But how he you know, we may have made our mistakes, yeah. but you really don't he, belong and here. And how he, he brought light into the darkness. Yes. You know, it just, yes. And it, anyway, those journal, those prison journals from Ignatius, they are well worth the read. They are very, very powerful. And people are also talking about how, in a sense, the English-speaking church is looking for a new spokesperson, you might say, uh, an elder statesman to really take up some of the mantles that uh, Cardinal Pell willingly you know, It's interesting had. of the two deaths, which were back to back, um, mm -hmm. the death of Pope Benedict didn't hit me as hard because it was expected. We were all kind of waiting and praying for it, and, you know, kind of, but the, the sudden announcement of Cardinal Pell's death, it, it really shook me because, yeah. again, his voice... And only was 81, right. I think, is what he was. But yeah. his voice was a beacon in the church where we we don't have enough of these um, 
I, I would say just Christ-like voices in the world to help guide us and lead us. That we, you know. Right. His witness was authentic beforehand, but given what he had gone through with that Absolutely. imprisonment, it really added a lot to it. 877-795-0122 is our number. There are a couple of questions that have been posed to us here, um, not from uh, callers, but uh, let's take uh, the one at the bottom here. Um, why do some priests skip the prayers of the faithful at daily Mass? Um, one will see that happen in a number number of different times. Um, it'd be interesting to see what the, the specific rationale might be for that. Um, I know I've never really been in the habit of that. Um, but then again, I, I don't think that I'm overly long in the celebration of daily mass anyway. Um, but, but there are times where there will be uh, a homily, a brief reflection after which in silence, the priest will just go to the altar and immediately start up with, uh, with the offertory. What's your kind of well, reflection? Yeah, I'm that? like you, I don't, I'm not in the habit of skipping them at all, but maybe it's worth mentioning what they are and why they're there. Yes. And, and, and since Vatican II, the, the, you know, there's this emphasis that it's supposed to be the, the prayer of the people to, to the Father, which is being offered there. So, so one thing I, I guess I say that maybe I'm guilty of, or whatever, but like at a daily Mass, so like I will actually on, on, take a Sunday liturgy with those petitions. Mm-hmm. So the Roman Missal actually gives, the, there's supposed to be four categories of petition really. Uh, one is for the church, one's for the government, one's for those who are in need, and one is for the souls in purgatory. They say, you know, traditionally those four should be covered somehow mm-hmm. in those prayers. Um, but they're supposed to come from the people. And yeah. so like I really make an effort on those, those Sunday liturgies to compose prayers that are appropriate from from my people who are, you know, and then, but yeah. one of the things I'm guilty of is say at a, at a daily mass, you know, I, I think technically it's supposed to be a lay person who says, I'm not sure I'd have to go back and read, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I, I think that's my memory says. Yeah. But like a daily mass, I, I just conduct them. I don't, that's kind of talking about a time-saving thing. I don't have a lay person come up and read them yeah. over at that point. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm guilty right. of some yep. D- Different well. parishes have different customs. I came across, uh, while I was on retreat last year, a book uh, published by Liturgical Press with prayers of the faithful for all of the different days, uh, weekdays, you know, throughout the year. And I uh, personally like to rely on the Magnificat as a guide for the Sunday uh, petitions. But for the weekdays, this um, it was a, a Carmelite sister, Sister Mary Grace Melker is, is her name. And uh, what she does masterfully is she weaves in statements from the readings of that given day. So what we had today, um, you know, with uh, Psalm 40 and, you know, here I am, Lord, uh, you know, I come to do your will. She was taking actual, you know, statements from that while holding to the principles that you were talking about, Father, with regard to the main points that should be accomplished in the Roman Missal. And I like to use that as as a resource. And I, I think and I think that's probably, you and I come out of the same kind of educational background. And yeah. like those sun, and I can tell, I haven't written them yet for this Sunday, but I can tell you it's going to have to do something with the call because it's it's the calling of the apostles this weekend and those petitions are going to reflect the call mm-hmm. Here's another, um one of our esteemed brothers father scott sotner he he was one once we were talking about this how do you do it or how do you address it so it's meaningful that it's, it's really living and he's the one who he said you know it, it's there's also this option about having them seasonal and so it isn't just like of the day or that but he said you really should have something going on there seasonally because he said the people themselves need to hear them and think about them what so it becomes their heart being offered and so i i have incorporated that as well where there's there's always a seasonal theme going on for like maybe four like 
Advent, yeah. there's going to be a consistent theme that the people are hearing, repeating over and over, right. praying for. There, there can also be a secular sense of that with regard to if you're in a, an agricultural uh, rural area with the fall, talking about the gifts of the, the fruits of the earth and the harvest and, and things like that, and, and safety for people who work in farms and ranches. So I, I try to be you know, observant of a lot of those things as well. Here's one, here, here's a topic. That somebody, so 877-795-0122, 877-795-0122. Uh, please, Father Gross and I would love to hear from you this morning. We always appreciate when you call in. Um, okay, so talking about the death of Pope Benedict, the death of Cardinal Pell, uh, myself, uh, in my own life, uh, just in the last couple months here, um, I ha- had a death that was near and dear to me. I mean, it, it affected me very profoundly and very deeply. Um, and the topic I kind of want to bring up here was the, to- it's the whole topic of grief. So, okay. like, you know, Father Gross, you and I, we're, we've been in, quote, this business for quite a while. And we're, myself, I uh, used to work with hospice very closely. Um, it was one of my ministries I did, so forth. So we're, we're around death a lot. In, in our own lives, we, we've had parents, uh, you know, yes. we've dealt with mm-hmm. who died and, and close people kind of thing. And we're, we're constantly the ones who are there. And, and I'd say, me personally, I know it's going to sound strange, but I, I appreciate the privilege of being with people, uh, preparing for death, the death process, the funeral, all of it. I, somehow God's given kind of me an ability to just be present to people in a very a good way that, that's very helpful yeah, in, in a, belie- yeah. a faithful way, I guess mm-hmm, I'd say mm-hmm. it that way. Okay, so this isn't something that, and we know grief. In seminary, they taught us about the stages of grief and all, you know, so we can recognize these things, we can talk about them. But my goodness, the grief, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. For sure. And, and when, when, it, when it visits you, I mean, it, you, it, you can't brush it away. Oh, well, you can. You could try to. You could pretend like it's not real. You can, you can, you know, but when grief gets a hold of you whole it it turns you it'll turn you inside out upside down and and the thing about grief is it doesn't play fair like you'll sit there you know they talk about stages or whatever but you'll sit there and think oh i think i'm doing pretty well today i think i'm handling this pretty well and all of a sudden just like bam your face down in the sand again you know or something it's not um and i realize um See, having these experiences is so so good for a priest because um, it really gives you the ability to have empathy for your people where where they are. And on any given day, like right now, if we walked out into your parish right here, that we're mm-hmm. and we saw ten random people. Probably seven of them are dealing with some level of grief or some kind of grief at some stage, something like this. And right. and I and I just realize. Um, it really puts me in touch, and I'm sure that the listeners, as they're listening right now, they they can they're tuning into this too. Um, I'm not so sure we do a good job. Definitely, I'd say in the world, but you know, I, I think uh, the church herself is structured and has resources to really address this because this is what Christ Himself experienced grief, and so it's part of our Christian DNA. Yeah. But I I don't know. I think because the fast-paced world that we're in, I, I think we just tend to like just gloss over it or try to, okay, we, uh, yeah, we took care of that grief last week. We're done now. We're moving on. And, and I think that, you know, this is affecting a, a lot of people on, in, in deep way, and I'm not yeah. sure it gets addressed. You know? Right. I, I think of the accompaniment of survivors, whether it be of uh, children who um, died by suicide or, uh, um, you know, or even um, uh, those who, after a lengthy illness, had to say goodbye to a spouse or, you know, various things like that, um, that, that, compassionate 
um, formalized sort of accompaniment is, I think, a very valuable thing, you know, because oftentimes I wonder if people don't get the sensation that about 48 hours after the last official thing happens, you know, everyone has kind of gone back to normal and they're still, you know, weighed heavily and you never know what kind of thing will trigger that and, and will bring it back. So we as pastors definitely need to be sensitive to that as we're dealing with individuals. And I, I just want to give a shout out. One of my parishioners, I'm so proud of her, you know, uh, her husband died, you know, a few years ago now already, but she really personally got in touch with that she's in need here she and, and she has a loving family lots of support but yet here what so what she hears she just put out a word to other anybody else in the area and they get together once a week mm -hmm. at a local restaurant and and it's just beautiful they just accompany one they just there they get together have a little bite to eat or whatever they talk and share about what they're going through and and they pray it's really a very simple format yeah. and, and i just realize i mean i'm so profoundly grateful for what she is doing because it's addressing a real need and um I mean, look, where do you get permission to actually ad mm -hmm. address it or bring right. it out or whatever? And, and any given week, you're not sure. You may be the one who is helping carry your friend. You might be the one who is being carried by them. But that's really the beauty and of And what I love about it is the body of Christ being the body of Christ there. Exactly. You know, the so this is within the context of another question that's been posed to us. What is one area would, you would say the church is doing well in when it comes to evangelization? There seems to be a focus on where we can improve. So what is an area we are doing well? Well, here's the first thing that I had thought of, and I don't know if it's necessarily doing well because I think a lot of, within a parish context, a lot of people have to be brought to this kicking and screaming, but I am seeing uh, really over the last decade or so, lots of different uh, books and, and uh, articles and things from people uh, within the church in the United States um, proposing ways of reorienting our mindset and our model of what a faith community is and what it does to go from i guess you might say a maintenance model you know what's happening within the walls you know making sure that uh you know the the, the church is clean the lights are on you know various things like that to a missionary model of uh the people in our midst what more we we could be doing to you know to proclaim the 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 kerygma the, the basic uh, you know story of christ and 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 the reason why i think that that's a challenge is because we had interviewed a couple of months ago Susan Winley Doust, who was talking about in her book, The Four Ways Forward, that if you're doing what's always been done, that in itself is a choice. So she's just saying, what if we were to choose differently in terms of what kind of model the parish is going to go by? It may be unfamiliar, it may feel risky, but with the way secularism is, is taking root to, you know, increasingly in the world, there is... Uh, um, there is an importance to being open to different kinds of models, not just kind of keeping our little fiefdom going, but a missionary sort of okay, model. Okay, so here's a practical expression of what yes. you just said. Okay. okay. Last Thank you. <laughs> la yes. No, no, honestly. Last night, my young people, there we are, and we're, we're getting ready for our faith formation class. I have little things that I, I do with them, and they're, okay, so they're there, and there was like, what's Father's going to have us do now, right? And so I say to everyone, pull out your smartphones. And they think, I'm going to say, put them here, we're collecting them, you can't have them, right? So they pull out your smartphones and put them in front of you, and they do, and they're looking, and like, what, you're going to let us... This is a trick, Yeah, right? you're going to let us have them today? <laughs> I said, okay, then I said, raise your hands if this sounds familiar to you. Does anybody here 
have you ever heard somebody talk about the morning offering or doing your morning prayers or doing some kind of a thing, a devotion in the morning, whatever, one hand went up out of about 25 people. So that, that's your example of we're no longer in a maintenance model. We've now gone to something where you don't understand basic Catholic things. So I said, okay, go to your Catholic app store. We went through all these Catholic apps. Pick this Catholic app, load it onto your phone. They all did it. Okay, hit this button, open this up. Okay, here. This is how a, 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 the Catholic Church thinks. And it had the whole day lined out. And, th and they could touch on it and see, well, what is a morning prayer? What is an evening prayer? What is midday prayer? Blah, blah, blah. So there it is. Suddenly, and I said, and we're going to use your smartphones here and we're going to exercise them because this is your life. It's going to be your smartphone or until they put a chip in your head or whatever, wherever it's going. Yeah, this technology yeah. is part of us. Is we're going, let's, instead of just using it for gaming and all this, let's start learning how to use it to be Catholic and Christian thinking. So that's an example of how you're going to evangelize. You, you meet the people where they are, but you take the good things and you say, let's use it for goodness as well. If you're going to use it for all these right. other things, let's yeah. use it in a practical way throughout the day when you're sitting there clicking. Right. Just think of new media with podcasts, with uh, the Hello or the Amen apps and, you know, various other things like that that are trying to introduce this way of life into people's rhythm of life. Okay, yeah. Father Gross, really quick for you. Here's one. Okay. Before... If you didn't, and this came in, if you didn't have the, the Roman Missal in front of you at Mass, do you think you could say all the prayers from memory? Well, the individual for the day, of course, it'd be impossible with the collect and the, uh, you know, the prayers, uh, the, those three different prayers, you know, um, over the gifts and uh, uh, communion. Um, I bet a lot of it I could, um, especially okay. with regard uh, here, to a preface I'll, I'll and the Eucharistic you. okay. prayer. Could you do Eucharistic prayer number two from memory? Probably if you got started, if you were sitting there at the altar. I, I bet you could. Quite a bit of it, okay. yes. Could yes. you do, for example, evening prayer uh, two, Sunday evening prayer from memory, just if somebody got you started? Oh, wow. Um, quite a bit of it. Uh, yeah. and Sunday, Sunday morning prayer, the second psalm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the Daniel chapter three. Yes. Okay, yes. so okay. what I'm doing here is I'm showing how we've lived these things we've been doing for over 30 years, and we do it every day, and, and it's in us. And if, and if somebody gets us started... But if you ask me right now, just pull out a prayer from, I'd sit here like, oh, what do we, how do we, but when you're in it, yeah. mm -hmm. when you go in it, mm -hmm. it just flows, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Certainly when it comes to, let's say if you had a group of Catholics outside of the context of mass, maybe a half dozen, and okay, somebody start reciting the Nicene Creed, you know, it, it might go over more or less pretty well, but there are going to be some things where it's either getting confused with the Apostles' Creed or there might be, you know, a couple of uh, phrases that are missing. But the strength in numbers really kind of helps propel that because I think a lot of people's experiences, man, if I had to just say that without looking at something all by myself from start to finish, I don't think I could do it. But because there are 50, 100, 200 people saying it, yeah, it feels like it's just all right in that folder, file folder in the front of my brain. And I think know? this is why chant is so important. Like if I said to you right now, could you recite the Salve Regina? You, you would, but, mm -hmm. you, but if I said, could you chant it? It's like, boom. Like, exactly. When the new creed came out, I, I learned how to chant it before I could recite it. Mm. I couldn't recite it for the longest time without chanting it. Anyway, that's... In interesting. Okay. Yeah. So thanks for those questions that were submitted here in the Straight Talk segment. And we try to do that during the uh, uh, first, uh, uh, the second half hour of the first hour of the program uh, every time. 
uh, here on Real Presence Radio uh, with Father Leffer and me. So we'll be stepping aside for a short break. And at the top of the next hour, we'll hear about the critical counseling situation in North Dakota, especially among our young people in school settings. How is the University of Mary meeting that need? That's coming up on the second hour of Real Presence Live. Please stay with us. (laughs) 